1: Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about.
0: Love, do not give them any advice. Do not tell them everything happens for a reason. Do not tell them to not cry. Let Give them permission to feel whatever they are feeling, as ugly as those emotions are. And then help them go outside to do things that move their body. Um, Take a take a dance class with them, you know, go to the, do the, the class the yeah. exercise yeah. that's actually proven to give you those endorphins that you really need to make you feel better. Um, so those are some of the things that you can do. Hey guys, it's Alana and Jonah. And
1: welcome back for another episode of...
2: Seeing, Seeing other, people. other
1: People. How are you, Jonah? What's up?
2: I was told that I keep saying I'm in Brooklyn, New York, so that I need to basically stop saying that. Um, I know you are on a time crunch for our intro, everyone. We record these intros now. I think it's a fun way to do things. Alana, tell me the most interesting thing that happened in your romantic life in the past 24 hours. Oh,
1: God. Um... A guy who I went on a date with and we haven't talked to you since texted me last night saying that, like, I can't believe you haven't asked me out on a second date yet.
2: Wait, he texted you that? Hi, Amy. Yeah.
1: Hi, Amy. How are you? What? How's it going? It's good. I'm so glad that we finally have
2: you. Like, Amy Chan, you have an incredible course called The Breakup Boot Camp. Uh, do you mind just giving us the sort of quick picture on what that is, our listeners, some context?
0: Awesome. Well, I'm the author of Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewind Your Heart. Uh, and this is really like the relationship Bible. Um, I started mm-hmm. with creating the world's first uh, Breakup Bootcamp, a physical retreat where for four days people would come. It's in nature, there's an on site chef, all the meals are cooked. There's 13 experts from psychologists, behavioral scientists. We even bring in a dominatrix with a PhD from Berkeley. Who teaches on the psychology of power dynamics? Because most of our clientele are high achieving people who can't quite get it right in love and they're really hard on themselves and they want like a boot camp style to figure out what's going on. And um, now because of the pandemic, we're We have virtual breakup boot camps. And even when the pandemic settles, we'll be having both because the virtual one is pretty um, impactful, especially for those who are a bit more introverted. So, yeah, I've been writing about relationships for over 12 years. I have my own blog, Heart Hackers Club, and I've written for the newspapers and tons of publications. And the reason why I started was uh, love was the one area I just failed at miserably. Um you sound so like you sound like <laughs> yeah. that's that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, okay, if I just learn everything, then maybe this is gonna work out. Oh, wow. Um so that's what started it all.
2: Amazing. Um, Wow. So, okay. Wow. So this is for, yeah, th- this is, I, I did not realize, I guess I, I, I did, but I didn't think about it, the fact that it was a physical event that people would attend at one point because I'm not used to the world being like that anymore. <laughs> I was born oh, in considered going, I truly <laughs>
1: considered going. I remember last spring I was like extensively like studying you and um, reading about it everywhere, everywhere. And being like, I should do this.
2: <laughs> um, did, did, I guess let's, you know, our listeners, um, they're plagued by a lot of things when it comes to modern dating, ghosting, how to follow up on after a first date. And I'm excited because we've never really gotten into the breakup element of it all, which is something that we all go through. And I think what would be fun is if you sort of just took us through in the sort of 50 minutes that we have together, um, kind of like, uh, how to get over somebody or how to deal with a breakup. And I, I think the first thing that Alana wrote down was just short-term, right? Let's just start at square one. Last night, Alana got broken up with. (laughs) What is Alana going to do tomorrow morning? What should she do in the first week, first day, hour one?
0: All right. So Alana, the very first thing is you have to be aware that there are stages of separation that pretty much follow the stages of grief. And you're first going to go through shock, denial, depression, anger, relapsing, which is another kind of denial where you might even get back together with your ex or justify going, you know, having makeup sex until you hit enough, you know, disappointment and you're like, okay, and you get to a point of acceptance. Now, healing isn't linear. You're going to kind of jump back between the different stages, but there's kind of a different sort of strategy per different stage. Hmm. So when you first break up, your body is in state of shock. Uh, think about it when you were in a relationship you have neural pathways that have been wired together after the breakup it doesn't matter that you know it's over on a cognitive level your body is like what the fuck's going on give me that dopamine oxytocin vasopressin and so that's going to cause you to go through withdrawal you will feel like you're a junkie going through uh, heroin like withdrawal and they've actually done studies on the brain of people newly separated and they saw that the same part of the brain was activated as a heroin user feeding for their next Fix so you're physically in withdrawal. Um, I think it's important to know that because at this stage is when you go normally. I feel like I'm going crazy.
1: Yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, it sounds like I have a lot in store for me (laughs) as someone who got broken up with last week or last night. I guess. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Even just hearing you explain that, it almost like makes me feel better about like the way I've felt in the past because it. Not to say like it gives me an excuse, but like it does kind of legitimize the feelings that I've gone through. And I'm sure we'll get into this. Like I've had really, really rough breakups that have like Mm. fully like ruined me and like actually like broken me. And so I'm definitely like, I have a lot of questions for you about that. But even just hearing you explain that, like I I think it helps.
2: this, This heroin thing. So hold on. The feeling that you, get after when you're in withdrawal from heroin is the same feeling that you get. Can you just explain that once more? To, like, yeah, for like a, so, I'm like an idiot. So I guess yeah,
0: <laughs> you're not an idiot. So basically your brain is activated the same part of the brain that, so when a drug user is feeding for the fix, yeah. it's the same part of the brain that's activated when you're going through separation. It starts so with you an A, the,
1: right? Oh. Uh, the amygdala. Damn it. Oh, what do what you, what, what, what
2: is it that we're feeding? <laughs> for? Are, we feeding <laughs> are we feeding for can, like, what is it? Are we feeding for, The missing piece, like, is it you're missing the person that you once loved? Is that what it is? Like, you're missing that or are you addicted to? like the feeling of getting broken up with like what which i guess which feeling are we feeding for
0: there's a lot so basically i'll I'll, I'll break it down so on a chemical level you're feeding for the hit of dopamine and the oxytocin and the vasopressin um that dopamine is a motivational chemical so that's what's going to cause you to want to scroll their instagram feed Mm. that's actually your body's like i need that hit so even if you look Mm. at it and it's going to make you feel crappy you're still going to do it even if you call your ex and you berate them and you know that's gonna make you feel horrible, you're still getting a rush of endorphins um, so there's that happening on a chemical level now there's another part which is you basically you're a mammal that sense a loss of connection and this throws you into fight or flight so your nervous system goes on defense and you feel like you're going to die so your nervous system thinks like oh my god there's a predator I'm going to die and even of course you're not going to um, you're still reacting the exact same way so you're being flooded with adrenaline you're getting flooded with cortisol, your heart rate starts to beat. Um, what happens is you're getting blood pumped th- through the different parts of your body that will prepare you for fight, flight, or freeze, which is why a lot of the times right after you lose your appetite because mm. the stomach, the blood isn't flow actually isn't going to the stomach. Your your hunger, your appetite goes like seventh on the priority list because your body is preparing to, you know, fight the attack. So that's actually what's happening to you. You're like a mammal that's seeing a predator. Uh, like a lion that's about to kill you and that's why you feel so on edge you can't sleep um and you know even though this is actually you know you're not going to die from a lion you're just actually going through withdrawal wow
2: mm. holy shit this all checks out this all checks out <laughs> yeah that's
0: right but if you don't know that you think that you're yeah. crazy yeah. and your friends who might not have experienced that might go like Pfft. Just get over it. Like, whatever. You'll just meet someone else. What a narcissist, right? And Mm. that doesn't help. So, you know, back to what happens if Alana was going through a breakup, you know, today, what you need to do is in the very beginning, you're going to obsess. You're going to talk about it over and over again because that's your way of processing the shock. So, shock is really important because if you were to accept the new reality 100%, it's too overwhelming. So, you kind of like, is it, oh my God, really? You talk about it again. You might replay things. You might go, oh, maybe I should have done that. This is all part of the cycle in the very beginning.
2: Mm. So, So yeah, go, go on. sorry.
0: Well, I have two questions. One is
1: what, and I'll ask them both just so I don't forget. But the first one is what about those people who like kind of shut down and they don't talk about it? Like, is that also a healthy way to deal with it? Or do you need to be talking about it and getting it all out in order to process it? And then my second question is, how long should this process of like wanting to check their Instagram, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, go on for? Because like for me, it's been two years, and I still check to see if my ex posted a story. And he posts maybe five stories a year, but I check every day.
2: Right. But, I mean, yeah. you don't yeah. it's not good. I don't enjoy it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so a lot. I have to. I have to give you like a truth bomb right now. If you are still analyzing your ex, stalking their instagram stories with your finsta, you know, hoping for some change or that closure talk. You're still in a relationship with your ex. So you you're actually, you know, That's every single time you're checking that social media feed five times a day, you're actually still strengthening those old neural pathways. And so I would recommend to you and to anyone who's just newly broken up, you do a complete detox for sixty days. You have to allow your neural pathways to kind of reset because if you don't, it could be years, yeah, maybe decades, and you're still in a relationship with someone who's not in a relationship with you.
1: Yeah, and here's well, the thing: I did that. We did it. I, we didn't speak for six months. We both blocked each other, and then we saw each other like a year ago. Had a a reset. Re- We had a refollowing. A reset we had a refollowing ceremony like acknowledge the fact that we both like blocked each other. Like, okay, like we're good now. We're going to refollow each other. And yeah.
2: fuck. I, I, Amy question (laughs) for you then, is there a consistency with your clients and in your research on how long it takes for someone to truly, and let's just call it actually getting over somebody because I literally was just in a thread with Alana no longer than 20 minutes ago where our friend was trying to set Alana up with somebody. And I said in the chat, I was like, I was like, I'm just gonna shout him out because he loves he would love to get a shout out. His name's Marshall. I was like, Marshall, dude, there's no point in trying to set up Alana. She's not over her ex yet. And mm. I, I guess, you know, Amy, my question for you is, is there a consistency in time frame between your amongst your clients on how long it takes to get over somebody if they follow all the right steps? And to give you an example, what I mean, if I dated somebody for three years and then we broke up and I followed every step that you told me, blocked them, didn't talk to them. When is that magical number of time where I wake up and I'm like, Oh, I actually am over them. Is it half the amount of time that you dated? Is it that? Is it that black and white? What is your research? What is Everyone
0: your research? always wants that number. So yeah. I'll tell you one thing. So the emotional intensity of like, oh, my God, like I can't get over this like that crazy roller coaster that happens in the beginning. From what I've observed, it's on average six to eight weeks. It starts to subside. Uh-huh. Now, how long does it actually take for you to get over someone? well, what does getting over them mean, right? You can harbor resentment for the person for years, if not, you know, a decade. And I have seen that. I've seen people who a breakup happened 10 years ago and they're already in another relationship, but they keep pining for this other person. Right. And so, you know, time doesn't heal all time. Doesn't heal all the wounds. Uh, wow. Only doing the work heals the wounds. So, um, you know, when we suppress it, Uh, back to your question, Alana, you know, is that healthy? Absolutely not because your pain needs oxygen to breathe. So what we do is when we suppress, distract, avoid, and from what I've observed, I don't want to make sweeping generalizations. I see this more in men than I do in women. Um, It catches up to them later. So it's like a prolonged suffering. So they might not feel it up front because they're like back onto the dating app. They're getting into another relationship. Meanwhile, the girl's like, oh my God, they've already moved on. I meant nothing to them. And then what happens is there's a catch up later because the pain is going to go somewhere. It's not just going to magically disappear. And it shows up in either regret later on and then they want, you know, to reconcile or it shows up in their current relationships uh, as
1: baggage. I I feel like I already need like a week to digest everything that we've talked (laughs) about in the last like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, What do you think it's been harder or easier for people going through breakups in the pandemic? Because on one hand, they're like, I feel like they're forced to really sit with their emotions and and like process it and, and deal with it. But on the other hand, it's like, you're kind of alone and you can't really like after that six to eight week period, like when you said six to eight weeks, I thought in my head like, Oh yeah, that's usually the time where like my friends or I like after a breakup would like start going out and trying to go on dates and like going to a bar and getting like drunk and hooking up with the stranger, whatever people might choose to do, but you can't do that right now. So how, what, what have you observed? Like, how has that been for people?
0: It's been way harder Mm -hmm. um, because When you're all alone and you're at home, you're not you're constantly you know it's just like if you're going on a diet and then you just have fucking cookies all over you r- around right like hmm. you're constantly like, okay you know in the morning you have willpower by four o'clock the willpower is gone hmm. right? right and now you're by yourself and you're like on your phone all day long and then you feel lonely and it's a very natural thing when you feel lonely when you feel anxiety when you feel uncomfortable to want to reach out to what you used to know as comfort right. so what i'm seeing is people are missing their ex or kind of confusing all these emotions, like the anxiety of the world, the stress and wanting soothing, not able to get it in a healthy way. So they're like, you know what? I'm just going to check on my ex like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. You don't give a shit about how they're go- how they're doing. Like you're just reaching out because you're trying to use them to soothe yourself. So, you know, I really encourage people to set up systems that help them, uh, you know, successfully be able to detox from their ex. Mm. And the thing is, if you are constantly, you know, ruminating about your ex or checking them on social or, you know, after a period of time, constantly talking about it, like I mentioned, you're still in a relationship with them and it's, it's nothing shaming. There's an obsession, but obsession is passion. So you just need to redirect that energy, redirect that passion into an empowering fantasy, right? Because when we're stuck into, in that, in that loop of like maybe this maybe that maybe they'll change whatever you're just not in reality you're mm. living a fantasy that's not based in reality right and so you need to right now especially in the pandemic f- figure out what is a new thing you can get obsessed over yeah. um yeah. i have someone right now it's been a year he was obsessed over his ex mm. um until and i have started to mentor him and so now you can say my started, name you
2: can tell them it's me <laughs> Wait,
0: wait! is it my ex? Is he still obsessed with me? (laughs) It's your ex. He's so obsessed with you. So what I told him to do is, you know, what can you do to actually, you know, help other people who might be where you were six months ago. Right. And so he's creating a video right now, an animated video of my book in one minute. And he's obsessed over it. He's doing that. He's playing music and he like wants to do this concert thing for his, his sister. And he's just like doing these things and it's making him feel good and he's not realizing that oh yeah i didn't think about her as much today yeah it came up but he's just channeling that passion and energy into something that makes him feel good there's an automatic feedback loop and eventually it just starts going you had momentum and there's a ripple effect but otherwise you're going to just constantly be filling up your time with you know this fantasy
2: so off of that that's it. This is something that I actually relate to. I, I found that when I was going through my only major breakup to date, that it was, I was very much okay after I sort of found my passion, not found, but like rediscovered my passion and like worked on that and like was excited by other things besides checking her Instagram. Um, but what are some specific things, and we can get super granular here, um, that you would recommend to someone, someone who's listening right now? They just got out of a breakup, and this could be a two-year relationship breakup, or it could be a person they went on two dates with, and it's kind of a letdown, or you know, a six-month fling. Give us some specific things that people can do to help sort of force gain over the breakup, beyond accepting, of course, that these emotions are going to happen. You, you know, it sounds like find your passion and work on that, but how can Give me the list. You know, I'm sure there's like a power list here.
1: So head to PresentlyBracelets.com, that's P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y, Bracelets.com, for 10% off your order using code SEEINGOTHERPEOPLE. Raise your hand if you have dating anxiety. All right, all right, I know that everyone has their hands up, and I get it. For 20% off your order. That's code SOP for 20% off. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD.
0: For sure. So I think number one is do not vilify your ex. Um, When we get together with our friends and we pathologize them as a narcissist, sociopath, asshole, whatever, we're just, you know increasing that emotional charge and it really puts you in the role of the victim which is very disempowering for you right because then you're waiting for the closure you're waiting for something to happen in order for you to not feel like you're uh, the victim and so what you can do an actual tool is you write down your story as it is, as if you're telling your friends, right? With it, without it being edited. Maybe you think they're narcissists, whatever it is. Write it in 10 points. Then you look at what is fact and what is fiction. And there's something called Uh, cognitive distortions also known as thinking traps so i'll list you a few thinking traps are blaming being caught in uh, all or nothing thinking so this is when we say things like you know this always happens to me i never meet anyone who wants to commit in new york i gave him the best years of my life right that's catastrophizing there's a list of different thinking traps um being caught in shoots is another thinking trap. It's very common for people after a breakup. Um, and I list all of this in, in my book and you can find them online. And the next thing you want to do is look at your story of 10 points and circle all of the fiction and circle all of the thinking traps, all your interpretations, your assumptions. And then you rewrite your story with just five points. Now you just stick to the facts. You will find, and we do this every time, I'm at breakup bootcamp that the story becomes a lot less emotionally charged. Mm. You have more of a space between what's going on versus being so overwhelmed with what's happening because you're mixing your interpretations of it. Think about your memories. Every time you recall a memory, you change it. It's like the game of telephone. Mm. Holy shit. And so if you are telling that story, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I had, you know, the reason why I started a breakup boot camp. I was in a relationship, thought it was going to be my happily forever after it ended in infidelity. I told that story over and over again for about two years, anyone who would listen, I would enlist them and try to, you know, win them onto my side. And one time, you know, I, my friend asked me, he's just like, so Amy, does this story serve you? And I'm like, oh, I guess not. He's like, think of all other times, like where there was trust and there was love. And can you give me some examples? And so I was like, oh, yeah, there was this time, there was this time. And it was in that moment I realized that I had such a tunnel vision to see just the bad, That I couldn't see anything else. I couldn't see that I was uh, now moving out of my hometown, moving to New York, that I, you know, started a new career, all these things. And that is a common thinking trap. That is uh, a cognitive distortion. We will find facts and evidence to support what we believe is true. And so, it's really important that you start to take ownership of your story because if you don't, your story is going to take ownership of you. And so, when you have just the facts, you actually have a neutral story that you can work with. Mm. I think that is one of the most important things of learning resilience, and not just in breakups, just in life, is learning the power of reframing. And even now, to this day, I know there's certain thinking traps I'm more prone to. I have a tendency to do all or nothing thinking. So even when I'm talking, I'm to my partner, I'm like, you always do this. Or like, this never happens for me. I'll be like, oh, that's a thinking trap. It's actually not true. And that takes emotional sting away. And I'm able to kind of continue on with life. So I think that's really important. Um, Another one is do not feed your emotional monster. So your emotions, the lifespan of emotion is 90 seconds where you feel your primary emotion. It reaches its chemical peak and it moves through your body uh what happens why we feel that emotion longer for hours days years it's a story we attach to that emotion your emotions want to get bigger they want to stay around longer so if you think of it like a pac-man right imagine that emotional monster and what are you feeding it are you playing coldplay fix you on repeat are you watching love actually on repeat, that's what I did, right? Yeah. It's called emotional cutting. You're like, oh my God, this sucks. But like, you know, let, let me watch Bridgerton one more. <laughs> it's never yeah. going to happen for me, right? And so, you know, you have to take stock of like, am I feeding my emotional monster right now? How's my body language? Am I in fetal position? Am I listening to sad stuff? Am I talking about a story that's vilifying? You have to be aware of these things because they all add up.
1: Oh yeah, okay. we, we had that on our list to ask you if like sitting crying in bed eating oreos and like listening to sad music is a good thing or a bad thing i'm i'm really happy to hear about like the thinking trap concept because i've always i've recognized it in both myself and my friends in so many different situations but I, it's nice to know that like it's actually a thing and there's also a term for it and mm-hmm. ways to kind of like work yourself out of it if you if you recognize it more um And going back to what you were saying with like your story and not realizing that all of these like good positive things came out of your breakup, Um, I that really resonated with me because something that I went through a few years ago was I was in a really bad, like secret relationship for almost a year Mm. with someone and I was also working with him and that's why it was a secret. And I was supposed Mm. to move across the country with him to like pursue our careers together. And I found out that he was cheating on me the entire time. And it like, I, like I words cannot describe like how much this like ruined me. Like I am a completely different person because of that situation. But, and like it, it was like so, so hard dealing with it and getting through it. But I did get through it and in getting through it, I came out like I changed career paths because of it and like I'm so glad I did because I left a career that wasn't making me happy and I like rebuilt all these friendships that I had kind of lost and I like discovered new hobbies and passions and it I it also got me into like talking about dating and uh, which eventually Mm -hmm. led to this podcast which is helping people and at the end of the day like as much as it was so hard for me to get through that I I'm almost like grateful for it because i have no idea where i would be now if none of that had happened
0: yeah you know your breakup was a shake-up you needed to redirect your life
2: yeah ooh, breakup is a shake-up shake on the complete opposite end of that my experience of the breakup before i because i do want this list to continue and i'm gonna we're gonna get to the chocolates and to the to love actually is an important detail so listeners get ready for a crazy question i'm gonna ask but um my breakup it's funny alana it's sort of a Interesting experience, not too dissimilar from yours in the sense that I've come out a different person on the other end, but I basically had a situation wherein I was dating somebody and it wasn't so much a breakup as it was an unhealthy relationship wherein I was obsessed with her and liked her way too much. And she was like always kind of pulling back in the other direction. But like we were make we were trying to make it work. And then we like dated boyfriend, girlfriend, that whole thing for like four years on and off. (laughs) four years. And then she started to get into me a lot more than I was into her because I was like less into her. And I was like, I don't want to end this. I don't know how to break up with somebody. I don't want somebody to feel bad. Like I don't want to make anyone upset. My biggest mm-hmm. flaw in life is that I'm trying to make everyone like, like I, I want everyone to like me, which mm. I know is like a number one thing. People like, you don't need everyone to like you, but like, I'm going to at least try to make them like me. And If they, mm-hmm. after they know me, if they choose not to like me, that's fine. But mm-hmm. like, you know, So breaking up with someone was something that I was like, I don't want to make them upset. That, and tell them what? I don't like them anymore. <laughs> like, what a ridiculous thing to say. And ultimately I did it and I didn't do it in the right way. And it was like a screaming match on the street of New York because this person oh. who, yeah, many times after, it's funny you said the word narcissist before because I think all of us, when we break up or break, have been broken up with, we always think the other person's a narcissist. Like this is a hundred percent of the time. When I have friends are like, yeah, they're just fucking into themselves. I'm like, first of all, I know you, you are obsessed Ooh. with yourself <laughs> and they're my friend, right? And I'm like, right. so... But I did, but my number one critique of our relationship was that she was obsessed with herself and she never, you know, it was always about her and how she looked and what she was doing. And she's a very kind person, but Mm. my family and my friends did sort of use the word narcissist to describe her. So we break up and then I come out of that experience almost like, you know, there's this um, you know, like a, like a broken heart, but a heart that's been rebuilt and it's a superpower, but also a curse ever since that breakup, I really haven't cared about anyone to the extent Mm. that if, if I did care about them and they like broke up with me, it was like, let's say one on three dates and they broke up me over text or some shit like that. I wouldn't even spend a second on it. I wouldn't give Mm. a shit. And like, I don't care. And I think it's like, maybe there's still walls up, but like, I don't care about anyone for the most part i haven't cared about someone in a long time and like i consider it sometimes a power because i hear about alana in her dating life and i i hear her talk about how she's gets hurt you know she's like she literally one episode alana i think you said something to the extent of you always put yourself out there and you always get hurt yeah i always uh-huh. put myself out there and i never get hurt uh-huh. so it's like i nothing you can do can hurt me which is i think a certain power to that but also very sad because it means i'm not opening myself up to people uh-huh. so I'm curious if in, if in the breakups that you've seen, are you having people come out who are kind of like Hitch? It is kind of like Hitch because Hitch's backstory is like, he had that breakup. So he went into this career of like helping other people because he's Mr. Immortal now because he's mm. Mr. Cool. Is this what is resonating here? Am I crazy or? yeah,
0: No, not at all. Okay. I mean, I could psychoanalyze you. totally. <laughs> um, so here's what I see. Right. We when we get into a relationship and we kind of expose our deep, vulnerable selves, it sounds like that's what you did with this person. And there was like some off and on and subconsciously, what can happen is even if we think, oh, yeah, it's fine. I'm over it. We kind of associate love with pain because of what happened. Right. There's there's like there's trauma. And so we we have a hard time understanding like, no, there's no trauma. Like I didn't get abused from my parents, you know, whatever. It was like tumultuous, but whatever. But we are we take it on as trauma and sometimes it's actually stuck in our body. Right. And so what I see people, what happens is people go to the other side of the extreme and they're like, you know what? I don't really give a shit. I could be single. I don't really care. Mm. And I see that sometimes they're not aware of it at all. And this is when I see like, I'm an empowered independent person. I don't fucking need anyone. Like, and you see that and I, I see right away like, wow, that person has been hurt so bad <laughs> and there has to be yeah. an overcompensation yeah. because there's no room for gray area because it's too fucking scary. You can't mm. even open the door a little bit because it was so fucking painful. And sometimes this is subconscious. So we don't know that it's in us. And that's why it's really important. I, You know, we do stuff even at breakup boot camp that works on the subconscious, right? So there's so many different modalities, hypnotism, uh, you know, like doing a a mediated plant ceremony. Mm. Um, There's so many different things that can help you on a subconscious level because just talk therapy, it's not going to be enough. And then there's other people like Ilana, you might have an abandonment wound, right? And so when you get into, you know, whether it's three dates in or a year in and there's an ending, You are grieving not just the end of the relationship, you are grieving this abandonment moon that stems from way back, maybe from childhood, you know, and maybe you don't even remember what happened that caused that sense of abandonment, but there is this feeling that something is missing you carry this anxiety with you and you don't know exactly why because from ages of 0 to 7 our brains are like sponges we are not a, we can we don't actually have a developed prefrontal cortex we don't understand that when um, you know the soccer team won't let you play with them that that doesn't mean that you're not worthy of a human being right? We take that as like, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy, right? Right? When mom and dad have a fight you and maybe they're late to show up to your, I don't know, dance recital, you don't have the ability to be like, oh, they had a fight. That's their thing. You're like, oh my God, they had a fight. It's because of me. Oh my God, I'm going to get rejected. I'm not safe. And so we grow up, we don't remember the actual scene of the crime. It's lodged in our subconscious. Our subconscious remembers everything. But then there's this thing that causes these patterns to repeat over and over again basically by the age of two years old we develop an attachment system which will pretty much determine how we relate romantically as adults there's three main types they're secure avoidant and anxious um 50 of the population is secure meaning they're not afraid of intimacy they're also not codependent they don't um you know take a problem and turn into a big catastrophe when there's a fight they're not like oh my god it's over um they're also able to communicate their needs uh, and their boundaries now the next part is avoidance so um i'm not going to get into the different types of avoidance but overall avoidance actually equate intimacy with a loss of freedom and autonomy they have a tendency tendency to feel suffocated and so um and jonah i'll kind of touch on this because i think you may have more of an avoidant tendency there's two types of avoidance so there is um the fearful avoidant which is they've been disappointed in love before or they were you know disappointed from something that happened in childhood and they've subconsciously associated that well you know love is just going to disappoint me anyway so I might as well be super independent and completely okay on my own so no one's going to hurt me like I once was then there is a dismissive avoidant which is the hardest type to date because they don't think there's any problem they actually are totally okay being single um and they kind of look at uh, um you know relationships as like it's just gonna take away my freedom, and so what happens with both types of avoidance is they subconsciously suppress their attachment system. They, they doesn't mean they can't be in a relationship, but even when they are, there's always a degree of separation. They keep an emotional arm's length, and they have a tendency to chase people with an impossible future. They have a tendency to sometimes put their exes on a pedestal. All these are ways of kind of not being in reality, of being with someone who can actually get deep and vulnerable with them, that they have to be really intimate, right? Because when you're, you know, your mind is about, you know, your ex on the pedestal or this person that's just the unicorn, you never actually have to be completely vulnerable and open yourself up to someone. Um, They might, you know, do things like you have a romantic weekend, and then suddenly they just disappear for a week. Um, They have a tendency to not be able to understand what's happening on an emotional level, and uh, instead of dealing with uncomfortable emotions, they kind of dismiss them and avoid them. Now, the last kind, which is probably a lot of the people listening, is anxious attachment style. And the reason why I say that is people who are anxiously attached are more incentivized to figure out what the hell's going on because it's so unbearable and they have a fundamental fear that they will be abandoned or rejected at any time and your nervous system is actually um, hyper vigilant to any signs of potential rejection so you out of all of the different attachment styles will be able to perceive when there's a little bit of a tone difference or you know mm. the eyebrow raise things that regular you know on a conscious level you don't know subconsciously you're picking all of it up and so when there's a threat to connection your nervous systems like alarm bells I'm in fucking danger and you'll feel panic <laughs> Um, and that's when you will do what's called protest behavior. This might mean um, these are attempts to either establish connection that you're safe or to get attention. So, you know, I'll use myself. I have um, I used to have an anxious attachment style. and Now it's called an urn secure. But in my 20s, what I would do is whenever I got triggered, I would call it crazy. And then I would show up oh at the no. club
2: oh that no. the DJ
0: was working at. I'm like, Oh my oh God, no. you're working today.
1: I've done it. I've
0: done
2: yeah, it. Every Friday
0: night, it. right? Why yeah. do people <laughs> <And they're> like,
2: <laughs> show up? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hey, like, don't show have, up. it all happens. I you know.
0: know. Um, yeah. I've shown up and in the middle like, like, of the fucking night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, a lot. And I'm like, okay, I might get arrested. Like this is like stage five stalker. And I was like, Oh, okay, well I'm going to do the opposite um I'm it takes you four hours to text me back fuck you I'll take four days see how you like it and then I went on to the other side so on the outside it looked like I'm an avoidant right I would take you know I would play these games of how long it would take for me to message them back um super strategic the entire time having anxiety about it and but I was just an anxious masquerading as an avoidant so we could develop these coping mechanisms that look like were the you know you know, suddenly avoidant, but really it comes down to what is your, your fear. And so protest behavior is also, um, you might reject them before they can reject you. You might like someone so much that just to take the edge off, you'll date through other people and you'll hedge. Um, and mm-hmm. the thing is, avoidance are drawn to anxious and anxious are drawn to avoidance. Now, here's the thing. Your attachment style—it's on a spectrum. So this means that it depends on what's happening in your life. Um, you know, before the pandemic, if you're seeing your friends, you love your job, things are great, you might feel a bit more secure, and your anxious attachment doesn't really come out. But then the pandemic hits, you lose your job, you don't see your friends, suddenly the guy that you like moved across the country, and then you're anxious as fuck, right? So it really depends, and it also depends on who you're dating. If you are, you know, highly anxiously attached and you date someone who is highly avoidant and you that's what the, those are the people you'll feel the most chemistry with that's when you get that 10 out of 10 oh my god i locked eyes i want to rip off their clothes it's not because they're amazing it's because you almost have a subconscious radar that's like you can wound me exactly yep. like how i was wounded in a way unfamiliar. familiar and you feel chemistry with them um that's gonna bring out your anxious attachment style like even more and for the avoidant bring out their avoidance attachment style even more
2: wait wait so who Who does so? Anxious is likes avoidant attachment styles. That part and avoidance
0: are drawn to anxious. Really? avoidance and avoidance don't draw aren't drawn together because there's no emotional glue right, right? so we are drawn to what uh, will confirm our beliefs of reality so an avoidant Whoa. actually needs to be within an anxious who's like come on come on come on and the avoidant believes like oh my god love is always suffocating so they're recreating these scenarios where it confirms their belief yeah. The anxious is drawn to the voidant because like i'm always going to be left and so they're going to be drawn to people who are unavailable that can always make them feel like they're going to be left
2: i think you pinpointed alana and i's Attachment styles, you know, Alana definitely fits those description of like anxious attachment style. No, no,
1: no, not anxious attachment, anxious as fuck attachment. There you go.
2: And you need
1: a T-shirt with that
2: anxious as fuck attachment style.
1: Whoa, and that's a great T-shirt. Whoa, um, we're trying to write that down.
2: Speaking it of T-shirts, looks. we do have sweatshirts and hats on our Patreon. Anyway, um, so the, the then avoidant, I definitely do feel like I fall into that category. Although the thing is. I am an intimate person and like I will open up to someone on a first date because I'm a what I hear Alana's expert Alana Dunn is telling yes Alana
1: (laughs) you'll open up to someone on a first date but not on like a 10th date well do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life episode of dateable season 15 episode 10 is it chemistry or anxiety guys this podcast is incredibly relatable insightful and oftentimes hilarious wherever you start Dateable will help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you you can subscribe and listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday so check out Dateable and thank me later
0: you're more open in the beginning so that's very like. characteristics of avoidance so, <laughs> okay. so dating having dated you know most of my life dated avoidance uh, there's also love bombing so you know this the chase is something that you guys are great at doing right because you're still not, you know, in the stage of, like, month, three month six of the relationship where it actually gets really real in the beginning, you're just driven by dopamine and testosterone and motivation of like, how am I going to win this person? And the more they're like, Oh, I don't know. Like even an anxious person, like, Oh, I I gotta be safe. I don't know. You're like, Oh my God. Like, let me play it on dinners, roses, surprises, whatever. And you're like, no, no, no. Like I'm totally into intimacy, but then what happens at at three months? You're like, you start noticing all these imperfections. You're like, you know what? Just not the one.
2: Mm-mm. I'm like the Benjamin Button of intimacy, which is <laughs> I get only. You need a
0: T-shirt for that. Yeah, I get
2: only less intimate as time goes on, to the extent that by six months in, I literally am like, "Oh, sorry, nice to meet you. I'm Jonah." Like I forget who the person is. No, I I completely agree with you. I think that that all makes a ton of sense. So you know, I, I guess. My <laughs> <laughs> to go back to sort of, I guess, what started this all in terms of things that people can do when they get broken up with and vice versa, right? Um, if It probably not feels a good time, alone, unless you want to say something hyper relevant to what we just spoke about. But I must know, um, in movies, in media, and I know in some of our own personal lives, when we go through a breakup, we always have that friend who's there. And that's a key role, I think, the, the supportive friend. It sounds yeah. like that's grounded in science as well. Yeah. Is there a science explanation to like you know someone gets, gets just got broken up with again Alana just got broken up with you Alana's going to CVS or sorry I'm Alana's friend or and I'm going to CVS I'm getting her chocolates red wine not from CVS um and you know, maybe, and then we're putting on a movie. What is the reason that in romantic in, in movies, we see the the scene of Cameron Diaz in bed, crying, eating chocolates, drinking wine, watching X rom-com Casablanca, um, the holiday love actually, whatever you want to do. What is, does that work? Would you actually suggest that to a client of yours to do? No. You, okay. Okay. Absolutely this is perfect. Not. Absolutely yeah. not. Okay. So Here I mean,
0: like, l- like, let's not get our education from the movies, but that's how we're educated, right? Yeah. Even what our ideas of what love is. Yeah. It's, I mean, the Romeo and Juliet story. I think they committed suicide after knowing each other yes. for 48 hours, right? There is the <laughs> sex in the city, Mr. Big, the the woman, the man, she finally changes. Now we have Bridgerton, the guy that like total fucking avoidant doesn't want family, doesn't want a relationship. And then she magically changes him into a family man. These plots are great for making you binge watch their show, but it's not reality. And it's created a generation of people have expectations that love is intensity. Love is drama. Love is push and pull that you have to go through these problems that you got to change this person and save this person. And it's fucking people up. And that is why people, you know, after the chemicals wear down, right? And this happens it, it, between eight months to two years. That's kind of when that chemical cocktail starts to subside. And it has to, because the chemicals that happen when you first are into someone, um, the, the increase of dopamine, all those things, the reasons why you can obsess about them and not sleep and talk on the phone for hours, all of those things eventually you you cannot continue living that way it's not healthy for you if your body's doing it mother nature is trying to like get you together have you procreate and have a child together that's really what those chemicals are doing it's to give you that momentum eventually that momentum's going to wear down and that is when we're like oh you know, a lot of people break up or divorce in the one year or two year after. It's no coincidence that's when the chemicals go down. And that's Mm. when the relationship enters another stage, right? It's no longer dopamine. It's more oxytocin and vasopressin, which are the more bonding chemicals. It becomes a more companionate love. It becomes a a love where you feel secure because you know that they're going to be around. You're not guessing and trying to win them anymore. So it changes and this is natural, but they do not show you that in movies. They do not show you the part that happens you know after you know the the spicy makeup sex because that would be fucking boring to watch so i think it's really important that we really take stock of what what definitions of love do we have what where have we been getting it and um ask ourselves is it serving me
2: but but okay I i love that you just said all that But here's, here's the devil's advocate. What is, what should Alana and her friend do then? That night, what's, what movie should she watch? What music should she listen to? Should she drink wine? Should she eat chocolate? What is your recommendation? Put on Michael Bay's latest Transformers movie and drink a, rip a tequila shot and eat a steak. Like what is, you know, what is, what is the actual, remedy. Okay.
0: So, Elada will not want to eat because her okay. appetite will be suppressed. You, What you'll need to do as a good friend, and this is what friends did for me, is they ha- brought me food and forced me to eat in front of them. Um, I didn't eat for two weeks and I dropped 20 pounds. Uh, it was very, very bad. So, bring green smoothies because she will not want to bite the food, but she will be able to drink it down and at least she's getting the nutrients. Do not bring her any fucking alcohol or drugs. That is going to make her, you know, her her prefrontal cortex completely go offline and those feelings of sadness and everything is going to get so bad and she will likely do something that she is going to regret um what you want to do is get her outside right when she's in that like oh my god let her let her even time her okay you have 20 minutes cry do the ugly cry scream in your pillow do whatever the fuck you want and then we're going for a walk you do a state change so the best thing you could do is hold space for them let them know that they are safe that they are loved do not give them any advice do not tell them everything happens for a reason do not tell them to not cry let give them permission to feel whatever they are feeling as ugly as those emotions are and then help them go outside to do things that move their body um take a take a dance class with them, you know, go to the, do the, the class the yeah. exercise yeah. that's actually proven to give you those endorphins that you really need to make you feel better. Um, so those are some of the things that you can do.
2: What about movie? Is there a genre that you'd recommend? Not with the just... movies. No, I, cause uh, well, let's just say a lot you of people know, are I home. I would say,
0: I would say don't watch any rom-com because okay. what that's going to do is you're like, why is this not happening right. to me? Watch something that's empowering. Maybe something with, you know, for Alana with a strong female lead, That is like about, you know, you know, a great story. Watch um, the Obamas, (laughs) you know?
2: Well, watch, maybe you watch a documentary, watch like something that's like just not, doesn't have a love plot. Cause like, I feel like everything these days has a love plot, no matter what we're looking at. So,
0: or Seinfeld. I mean, laughing is really important, right? Like if you can laugh, you actually are creating those chemicals. So that would be great.
2: That is, I I, I just want
1: to call out um, to any of my friends who are listening, because as you said, like the, all of the things that like a friend should do. I, I've thought of friends who I've done that for, but I've also thought of a few friends who have done that for me and like just having them there, even just knowing that they were there and like were letting me feel what I needed to feel. And not trying to say like, it's like, everything happens for a reason. Like just here, letting me talk and just letting me like word out whatever the hell I want to say. And that made all the difference. So shout out to you guys, you know who you are. Love you.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm going to add one thing, which is kind of maybe a little bit weird. Um, right. Maybe not right in the beginning, but I think when you hit to like week three of the breakup, um, have your friends get on zoom Or use tribute.co and do a video montage. And everyone just goes around and they're like, they just say, this is what I love about you the most. Mm -hmm. Record it. And in those moments when you go through withdrawal, in those moments when you you think that you're not worthy of love because of this relationship, and you will go into those lows, you watch that. And that will help you actually feel the feel-good chemicals. Um, and it might kind of help you distract you from going into this rumination or even reaching out to your ex.
1: I love, I that. love that. Jonah, we have to make a how-to guide for how to help a friend through a breakup.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think it's a great idea. Well, Okay, so Amy, before we get to every episode, we have three user questions, listener questions. And I think it'd be great if you could help us answer these. But just yeah. before we get to that, I have one specific question and maybe the answer isn't that specific, but how long before you think someone in your, in both in all your cases, what's the sweet spot in terms of how long someone should wait before let's say downloading an app and trying to go on a first date. Mm. And I imagine it's a little different for everybody, but if there was a way to generalize it, what do you sort of tell people?
0: I I would say, I mean, again, it's very personal. I think you need to ask yourself this question. Um, Are you distracting from the emotions and you know, if you were to see, be on that app and see your ex on there, would that catapult you <laughs> back to step one? And if the answer is yes, then give it a minute and allow yourself to heal. Like, I mean, if you break your leg, you know, you will go to the doctor, you'll get a cast on. The minute you take it off, you're not going to run a marathon, right? When it comes to the matters of the heart, we do not treat it with the, the love and gentleness that we need. You need some time, you know, you need to be gentle with yourself. You need that time of space. So you can actually reflect so that you can learn because there's no such thing as a failure in love. It's only a failure if you didn't try and you didn't learn, but what's going to happen if you just fucking steamroll into the next thing and the next thing. You don't learn. And that is a failure because then you keep repeating the same thing over and over again. And I see this. I see people who have repeated the same pattern and, you know, it's now 10 years in and they're still dating the same types of people and they're doing the same thing. And they show up at breakup boot camp and this is their last straw. They're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah. Don't get
1: there. A little quick context for you. Jonah was my guinea pig after my breakup that I'm apparently not over. Um, I, was was like, I was your doula. I was your doula. I It was you like like a month and, and a half after. And I was like, I'm going to try getting out there and, and getting on a dating app. And Jonah and I matched on Hinge, went on an amazing date. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I <laughs> wasn't expecting some, to like someone. Here's
2: then, something... Yeah. Here's something dark to that point. I always am like, I'm the perfect guy for someone to go out with after they come out of a serious relationship. And like, that's dark because it's perfect for me. Cause I'm not looking for anything long-term right now. And it's, I think I am a pleasant person to go on some dates with and like, I'll help shepherd you back out into the world of like, this is what, you know, going on a date feels like. And we can it worked out for me. It worked out. Alana so happy. That could be
1: another
0: business model. It
2: could be. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's like sad though. Like, Hey, date <laughs> I, I... me for three weeks and you'll, you'll feel better. Um a lot more we can discuss. Amy, I think we should totally have to do another episode with you. This 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 is awesome. Um we have a couple questions from our listeners. I think we should all answer them. Alana, I'll take the first one, you take the second one. Cool. And then we'll read the third one in unison. No, we won't do that. But um so here we go. Uh this is question number one. Hey, love you guys. We all say thank you, you and all the help that you guys do. I do have a question. I just started dating someone, and her friends are a big part of her life. But can her friends influence her to not go out with someone and make her see and make her see other choices? I'm a bit confused on that because it was going well, and now she seems to have gone a bit distant after hanging out with their friends. So, just as a recap, it sounds like someone seeing somebody who's very close to their friends, and then after maybe it sounds like they're doing some self-calculation that the friends were like, no, maybe the question is how big of an influence do friends have on who we date?
0: I mean, I think in this particular instance, it doesn't matter if it's her friends telling her or she read some magazine article. This person um, has made a decision and is communicating it to you through her distance or his distance um, that they don't want to continue investing in getting to know you that's it you can psychoanalyze it all you want it really doesn't matter we're not here to read their minds and I think that's what gets us stuck we think that by closing the loop by figuring out the clue right (laughs) becoming CIA agent that suddenly will make the pain of the rejection go away it's not going to you have to really just be like they're not my fit okay like next Amy I need you in my pocket or on my shoulder
1: (laughs) I, I, I need you in my ear all the
2: time Amy's next book, you know, it's an it's basically it's a nano chip that goes into your brain a lot. It will control oh, everything God. you do. Um, I completely agree with you. I think maybe the one thing that I would encourage this person to do, if they're listening, or if they are other, if the person that we're talking about is listening, uh, the distant thing I don't like. I I wish people were just more upfront with their communication. Ooh, yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah, don't
0: that's distant. a it's just an avoidant strategy because you don't want to deal with uncomfortable emotions. Yeah. It's right. So usually, learn from childhood.
2: Um. Great. Alana, you want to take a question too?
1: Yeah. Um, important question. A guy I've been talking to through text and on the phone for the last month, all of a sudden keeps posting a lot of selfies on Instagram. Five or six pics today. It's giving hmm. me a weird vibe. <laughs> Should I not go out with him? I've never seen any mail post this much. I'm nervous that someone needs this much attention. Well, first of all, you you clearly don't follow Jonah if you've never seen a male post this much.
2: Well, hold on. I don't post selfies. And if I do, they have purpose. Let's,
1: let's, I'm sure this guy's selfies have purpose too.
2: Yeah.
0: So, okay, look, this guy might be thirst trapping, you know, maybe it's thirst trapping to you or everyone else who knows, but like, if you, if you had a connection with the person, you enjoyed it, don't, end it just because of this thing that you're like oh like what does this mean you're you're again you're making you're getting caught in a thinking trap you're making assumptions you're mind reading you're making interpretations you have no idea what's going on and if it actually bothers you so much the next time you see each other have an honest conversation and be like hey so I noticed this like and you know I'm just noticing like a misalignment because when I see you you're so humble um and then the persona i get on your instagram it's a bit different like i'm really curious about that give that person an opportunity to talk about it
1: yeah and if you don't want to i mean i feel like for me the approach i would do is just be like what's with all the selfies (laughs) yeah um but yeah i mean definitely ask but yeah i mean if you are considering going out with someone and then you follow them on social media and see their social media, Jonah, I almost didn't go out with you because of your Instagram. I was like, Oh my God, this guy posts like videos of him playing guitar and singing random songs that he made up. Like, that's so weird.
2: That feels personal to to you. That feels like a you problem. Honestly, I'm just living my best life and putting myself (laughs) out there. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And like, I love you for all of that stuff that you do, even though to me, it's like, what is Jonah doing? But, like, I love you. Alana
2: just it. said she loves me. <laughs> uh,
0: we're going to L word. You know, when you don't, this is what happens. If you've only been on one date with someone, you only have a little bit of information, information. about them, yeah. right? So that fills up your entire brain of like, this is how this person is. If you had 20 dates, right? Then suddenly that picture they posted isn't so weird. And then, you know, the fact that they ate and they, you know, didn't wipe their mouth, whatever, those become smaller and smaller. But if you only have, have a few instances with them, that thing becomes the biggest thing. You don't actually have enough data. So stop cutting things off so quickly. I think that's a really important thing for anyone. Like if you're dating, all you want to do is ask yourself, am I having a good time? Do I yeah. want to see this person again? Stop thinking about, are you going to be my future husband? Are we going to have kids with you? Like, Oh my God, do you yeah. have a vanity issue? Stop it. Like just, yeah. that's all you need. And then eventually when you hit that crossroads where you need to make a decision, it'll be very, very obvious.
2: Totally.
1: Yeah. And, and to this person specifically, look, you've been talk- texting and talking on the phone to this guy for the last month. Uh, obviously you're invested in him. Obviously you've already like put some emotion into it. And Go on the date. Definitely meet him in person. If that's like your main question, one hundred percent do it. Also, like, maybe he lost the bet to post six selfies on Instagram in one day. Like you have no idea. So don't jump to conclusions. I think.
2: Yeah, and the idea that we judge someone from their Instagram to the to the Zara episode, which we recently posted uh, last week or whatever the timing whatever would it would be. But she made a whole point about how people judged her Instagram account. So she made a different Instagram account. You know, that's more authentic view of her life. I just you can never judge. You just really can't. Yeah. So. Um, five or six selfies. That's not that crazy. I post four minute long stories of just me fucking singing about socks in my room. So it doesn't really matter. Um, Third question. Hey guys, I really enjoy the show. I was hoping you might have something to say in one of your episodes on how dating apps could be more effective for guys. There is an asymmetry in that women generally don't experience the same level of anxiety and rejection that men do trying to keep someone's attention. I agree that naturalness is the best option, but there is so much competition and pressure that this is really, that it really feels impossible most of the time. How do you come across as natural and likable if the effort it takes to do so Makes you feel like someone it wouldn't seem natural to like. Huh? I don't so, understand the question. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a bit wordy, but I think what this person is trying to say is, for men, their dating apps can feel overwhelming and almost feel like a competition. And how do you come off natural when the very act of coming off natural still seems like difficult to do in a sense?
0: So. Uh- Yeah. So it's like, you know, the whole parroting thing, right. Like peacocking thing, right. Where like men are like, Oh my God, I got to show all this shit to attract the girl. Um, And the thing is like the very thing that you're trying to do might really, you know, dissuade some that one that you want because you're putting on such a front, you can only keep up the charades for so long. Right. So, you know, there's, I We can talk so much about the, the tactical things, but if you're feeling like you have to put on a certain way in order for people to like you and whatnot, there's something deeper there, right? Um, if you naturally deal with the wound that causes you to have that self-consciousness, that insecurity, and this need for approval – There will naturally be a ripple effect in your energy and how you do things. You don't have to fake the confidence anymore, but you can only fake that shit for so long. And people can feel it because subconsciously we're picking things up. So I would say, you know, be yourself and maybe you're a bit weird. Maybe, you know, you love your dogs a lot, but that is also going to filter out the people who, you know, hate dogs or who don't like your quirks because eventually they're going to figure it out. So you're going to either figure it out now or you're going to figure it out later. But my God, it's so exhausting trying to pretend to be something that you're not.
2: Do you have a specific tactic that you use when you tell clients maybe to be yourself? Because even when someone says be yourself, that's like the joke in film is that when I tell um when you tell an actor to act natural, the last thing they do is act natural. Totally, well, that's like a big yeah. joke. So like, what is something you can do if, if you were to tell, if I were to come to you and say, hey, I don't know what to say to this person on an app or I don't know what to make my profile. And you say, act, be yourself, be natural. What, how do I, what's like the, what's the exercise I can do to get a result?
0: Yeah, so I actually did like consultations for people's dating profiles. Amazing. And what I did was I I told them to tell me what would your... Like, what are the three things that you kind of would use to describe yourself? What would be the three things that your friends would use to describe you, right? Mm -hmm. We would first kind of narrow in on, like, who are you, right? And who who do you want to, like... Who are you naturally? So let's make sure that the profile is in alignment with that. And I would see people and they're like, oh, yeah, um, I'm humble, I'm honest, and I'm generous. And I'm like, okay, let me look at your uh, profile. And then you see this guy, you know, in this fucking. yo, what's up? Kind of look, total looking like a narcissist with his watch and his car. And I'm like, okay, so what you say that you are and what, you know, your friends love about you the most is completely not aligned with what you're showing. This is a branding issue, right? Whether I'm doing this for a company or I'm doing this for the person, I think first is you got to get really clear on who are you? What are your values, right? What, who, do you how do you want to leave people what's that experience when you leave them what what are the three things that you want someone to say about you i know for me it's like inspiring smart uh and generous and so then look at whatever you're putting out and be consistent with it right again it's branding um and ask yourself do an audit like are these things coming out is this being portrayed or am i completely off yeah
2: yeah it's great advice. That's
1: great. Yeah. Always, always, always ask people to like trusted friends to look over and tell you if you're coming off the way you want to be coming off. Cause I, I actually reviewed someone's profile this morning, uh, in, a, in one of their podcast episodes. And I was like, this is not you at all. Like, are you kidding me? This is the opposite of, wow. of you. Like, I don't know anything. I'm, I'm learning the, all the opposite things about you right now from what you put in your profile. So definitely just, just take that extra step.
0: I'd love to just like do like one quick note, like w- during my history of being on online dating apps, um, the, the ones that were like the, the obvious like, you know, thirst trapping, the guys that were like made themselves look really cool and all that shit. And mm-hmm. even me, like I would have these pictures where I'm like, you could see the sex in my eyes. <laughs> I'm bringing in the wrong fucking people, right? Mm. And that's why I was so exhausted from dating. And then after a while, I just got really good at discerning, like, in people's pictures, like, do they look like an authentic, good human being? Are they trying too hard? Those sorts of things. And I also used photos of myself that depicted more of who I was versus this like image of me, the sex pot. Right. And then I got really good at just meeting the right people. It helped filter out all of that noise. And I eventually met my partner on on a dating app. And so, wow. like, yeah, if you keep playing up those charades and just trying to be this thing, and I get it, there's a, this certain look that looks really hot, you're just going to bring in a lot of riffraff. And yeah, you might get laid, but if you want a relationship, it's probably just going to get really exhausting. Yeah,
1: 1000%.
2: So true. Well, this is what we like <laughs> nice to call a, a great uh, episode.
1: Before before you yes. close it out. Oh, I'm
2: not closing. I, knew, no. I know what's coming up. I know what's coming up. So,
1: okay. so Amy, at the end of each episode, we do a new dating term of the time of the week of the month episode. Um, so today's dating term, cause there are way too many of them and they get bizarre and more bizarre and bizarre each time. Thunberging.
2: <laughs> what's fun
1: Thunberging it is when two single people bond over their passion for environmental change a la Greta Thunberg oh, <laughs> Thunberging cute. so brilliant. be on the lookout for people Thunberging each other you might, you <laughs> might recognize that
2: brilliant well um, Amy we, we truly appreciate having you on it where can our listeners find you and where can they find your book
0: Yeah. So my website's RenewBreakupBootCamp.com. My blog's HeartHackersClub.com. And you can find me on Instagram, Miss Amy Chan. And my book, Breakup Bootcamp, The Signs Everywhere in Your Heart is available on Amazon, all bookstores. Write me a review if you buy it.
2: (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love the little stickies you have in there too, which when you stick your own book, I wonder what you're sticking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. That's so cool. How and just out of curiosity, how long did it take you to to put that thing together? I mean, did you I imagine that must have been a process? Three years. Congratulations. I know what it's like (laughs) to spend many years on a big artistic project. And uh, are you working on anything right now that we should be looking forward to in the near future? Any new boot camps or?
0: Yeah. So hmm. I'm doing um, I have another virtual breakup boot camp coming along. We're we're throwing them every couple of months and I'll be starting to do like online master classes. So
1: let us know about all of that. We will absolutely post it on our story and let our followers know. All right. Cool. Thank you Mm -hmm. again so much. What, Jonah?
2: I was going to say, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you enjoy this, please support us on Patreon, which you guys all know there's cool things. like You can have Alana and I give you a little profile revamp. You can join a text thread with us where we'll be your best friends on your date for a month. Uh, There's a couple slots left in that, although only a couple. There's really only two left, so people have been signing up for this thing. And you can get a sweatshirt, a hat, uh, AMA, your questions answered on the show, and the special Patreon episode of the month, of which last time, People commented, sounds like Jonah needs some serious help. So there, there's a lot of stuff on there to listen to. We appreciate everybody and thank you for listening. Oh,
0: Mads, I'm obsessed with our brand pillars. You mean vagina sweat, good branding, and being Jewish blooded, queens, Scout? Uh, sure, but not quite. I love that OKCISTS podcast and our sisterhood is made up of women who are down for main character energy only, who take care of their mental health, and who are standing in their personal power as entrepreneurs. Oh yeah, that too, Scout, that too. We should probably introduce ourselves. Hello everyone, I am Mads. And I am Scout. And we are sisters IRL.